Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen-Biggs, here as always with Blazer's Outsider, Danny Morang. Burnt to a crisp Blazer's Outsider, Danny And how did you get that sunburn, that glorious sunburn that you have? The tan lines from hell came from the uh, Rip City Cornhole Tournament. Shout out to everybody else that came out there, because it was actually... It was packed. <laughs> there was there was a ton of t- I think it's something like seventy five teams or something like that of two plus some spectators on the roof of the Moda Parking Center. My God, um, there were seventy five teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Michael Holt was out there. The Bobby Gross the was out Center, there. Baking in the hot sun on that pavement. That many teams. Sh- I am impressed. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it, it was it was a really good time. I thought I was in the shade for long periods of time. Um, I, I'm kind of revisiting the day through through my cell phone, and uh, apparently <laughs> I was in the sun quite a bit, which would explain the fact that I have these obnoxious tan lines on my face now. I've got both the snapback hat backwards tan line on my forehead, as well as the raccoon eyes. So, yeah, I, I, I look like the Hamburglar fell asleep in the sun. Um, <laughs> well, you're going to have to show up early for look. makeup next week when you go on Blazers Outsider. Just That's really funny. Have work on you. You think that we actually have makeup people? No, we don't get that. Come on. Now. Well, you'll have to stop by Sephora on your way in and have them give you give you a hand. So, who won the first annual Blazers uh, Rip City Cornhole Tournament? Um, I don't know. We. Uh, so we made it all the way through the semifinals, Blazers Outsiders. We were undefeated going into that round, and then we were unceremoniously thumped back-to-back games, and we lost. And uh, everybody kind of had to blow out of there at that time because we started at 11, and we wrapped up about five, and they were the last two or three teams were going, uh, one of which was Bobby Gross's team. So oh. the, he, he, the, the, uh, the old man Gross Bobby Gross is just good at everything? Yeah, apparently. Well, I mean, if you think about it, cornhole, basketball, I mean, hand-eye coordination, it's something that probably, you know, they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, and then um, you don't have to jump anymore, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. We, the, the sad part is we were really hoping to match up against them because Shane really wanted to ask Bobby Gross what it was like to get dunked on by Dr. J. That's the no. one thing he just keeps going back to. It's like, oh, I really want to ask him about that. Was that to like no? get him out of his head in like yeah, really challenging we were playing for cornhole, like, like, or is it just yeah, like we were playing like basketball laugh. rules? It was a little bit of both. It was like basketball rules, like we were going for the psych out there. <laughs> so. Well, nothing scarier than uh, playing your cornhole tournament and looking up and seeing the Blazers outsiders on the other end. Of yeah, that. no, I am no, the sure uh, of that. The best part was was Michael Holton saying cornholio a dozen times. So, that was easily the highlight because they're one of the, why one of the was team he names. Saying that? One of the teams was named Cornholio, okay. or the great Cornholios. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of cornhole um, type names in there. Yeah, shocking. Uh, for the team names. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, the imagination. Was Michael was Holden not like the announcer? He was the MC, yes. Oh, and he, man. And, and hearing him read some of the team names was stellar. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I, I'm. We're, if you if you if you tune in on Tuesday night for the show, I've got everything on my on my camera set up that we're we're gonna load up into the show, and I'm going to have a Michael Holton segment because I, just hearing him again say Cornholio <laughs> uh, with this well, sly smile on his face it was just priceless. 
Excellent. We've given everybody a little taste of what's coming up on Tuesday with the uh, cornhole highlights. So let's not go any farther because we want to. It is peak August content. All at once. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's summertime. We're really we're really casting about for exciting things to talk about. And where do you go to when you're trying to find anything to talk about? You go to Instagram to find out who's working out. Take it to the gram. So here's our Insta updates. Uh, apparently, Anthony Simons and CJ are both in New York working out with trainer Chris Brinkley. Have you analyzed mm-hmm. the tapes? Do you have them time stamped? And you know, have do you have them all broken down? No, I just uh, I just casually watch those this time of year, just to see how guys look and how explosive they look. Have they added something new to their game? What are they working on? Things of that nature. Because I mean, you've got the in my mind, you've got the two camps. Uh, you got Drew Hanlon's camp and you got Brickley's camp. Brickley's camp in New York is more about getting out there and getting in some run. Uh, more about, I think, probably being in New York, uh, that visibility and the guys who you're working with, some networking, where Hanlon and a lot of the guys you see in those camps uh, or in those training sessions, it's very, very tight fundamental stuff or things very specific that they're working on. Not that the one's better than the other. It's just you can see the difference in how each camp or training session or trainer is marketing themselves. It's kind of fun to see which guys end up where and and how they end up growing throughout the summer and throughout the year. Um, but yeah, you're you're gonna see some more guys heading to New York here pretty soon. Um, talking to some folks that were up there, uh, I think you can expect to see probably Chris Paul, James Harden out there. So for for young Anthony, if he does hang out there for the next couple of weeks, um, be definitely a good place for him to uh, get his his induction or indoctrination <laughs> to the mm-hmm. NBA. Yeah, the most of the videos that were, you know, were highlighting other players and every once in a while you'd see him like dashing in and out of the frame. But they also they did have him uh they did show him in quite a lot of shooting situations, you know, mm-hmm. quick off the three. He really likes to like cut straight to the basket from what like the right side and come in. He's definitely right-hand dominant and he likes to attack downhill to the right side. That's that's something I've seen from a, from a lot of from a lot of those videos and from Summer League, um, so I think if someone that's comes in that right hand dominant, do you think like as a rookie, especially as a young rookie, you just let them be like that for a while until you get in the rhythm of the league, or is that something you try to like take care of right away? What What's your thoughts? Um, I think it's something you're trying to work on right away because elite level defenders, when when a scouting report does come up on a on a young guy like this. Oh, like if you don't work on it right away, you'll get shut down immediately. Yeah, th- they're going to they're going to shade you unless you have such a uh, an ability to create space. The perfect example of this is Isaiah Thomas. He's going left. He's going left. He's going left. And yet, mm-hmm. he still gets left. I mean, you you could you could shade him all the way to his right side and there's he's he's still going to look to go left. I don't think Anthony's quite that dominant on the right-hand side, but he's he's very dominant on that side of, of the ball. Um, well, he can really get up when he takes it. So, I mean, it's it, it's not yeah. like one where you're like, oh, God, this again. It's like, oh, dang, he's he's got some height. He can really attain some height. And he's not – like, there was a great still of him going against Cantor. And I know that Cantor's not, like, a great defender or anything, but, like, size-wise, the Cantor's still it, 6'11", 280 right. pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm 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 getting pretty excited about uh, Simon's this year. I'm I, I hope that we get to see him. He's play. the dark horse. Some minutes. Like he, he's yeah. the wild card that you know he could have one of. The, I'll put it this way: 
It would not surprise me if he has two or three games this year where he comes in and scores between 15 and 18 points. Just mm-hmm. goes absolutely nuts, but then has stretches where he doesn't even touch the floor for weeks. Mm-hmm. I think he's the kind of guy that, being that he's young, being that he's almost, he's clearly inexperienced, but he, he doesn't know what he's getting into. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's got a brash sense, sense of confidence, and I think that's part of the reason why he's out in New York with those guys. Because if you look at the group that's out in New York, there, there's no young guys out there. Those right. are all like the vets of vets. It's CJ, it's Mello, it's Harden, it's Cantor, it's J.R. Smith. Uh, people can say what they want to about the mentality of some of those guys, but none of these guys are young pups. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're going out there and they're trying to get deep in their bag when they're working on the offseason because there's certain things in particular they're looking to hone and, and, and nail down. And they're um, probably not there to make any rookies time any easier. Let's say no. <laughs> In fact, I bet you they look at him and they want to take him down every single time. You get, yeah. When a new guy gets on the on the court, you got to go at him. And I think I, that's a really really good place for Simon's to get his first experience. I am just absolutely convinced that because of his appearance, looking even younger than he really looks like, I think he's going to have a surprisingly good year, and he's going to be stronger than we think he is. And a whole bunch of it is just because of his baby face and his chubby cheeks. And he just looks so young. But I think, I mean, he's really not appreciably that much younger than a lot of the guys that went in the top half of the draft. I mean, he's a year younger than Zach. Right. I mean, yeah. he's, so I mean, it's, it's, well, it's five one of those months younger where, than Gary Trent Jr. I think. So yeah. he's, he's, he's not the difference anyway. is, is, is Gary Trent Jr. Is the son of Gary Trent. So, you know, genetics played a role. <laughs> <laughs> So CJ's there as well, dribbling and uh, really showing off his handles. He's he had a lot. something we should talk about here, and it kind of goes back to something we talked about with CJ last week. CJ is working on and has said he's working on it. Well, for anybody who's watching those videos who thinks like he's trying to handle the ball too much or he's not creating for others, there's there's a particular thing that CJ's working on getting to the free throw line, generating contact in certain places, getting people off balance and attacking at a certain place on the floor to understand where to generate those free throws. That that's, that's something in specific that he's working on. So if you, if you're watching the videos and you see CJ and it looks like he's just pounding the ball, if watch, especially when he's trying to attack the rim, what he's trying to do with his body and what he's trying to do with a defender's body, like how he's trying to draw them in and finish through contact. Those are things that he's trying to work on. That is a great point. But now that I think about the conversation we had last week about CJ, not expecting you know, not pinning all of the, you know, the Blazers improvement mm-hmm. hopes on CJ because, you know, if he can improve by a point, that's, you know, the, the, he just doesn't have that much room to grow. However, I would ask you if he gets significantly better in getting to the line, doesn't that translate into more than just like maybe a point? I mean, if he gets to the line two or three more times a night, that's then potentially... he's in the line two or three more times or two or three times. You know, it, it's not CJ's not a guy who gets to the line all that much to begin with. I mean, he's, he's doing it two or three times now. Um, that's going but, I mean, to take away from his field goal improvements attempts, there, you know, two trips to the foul line is potentially, you know, four three free throws. Yeah, no, it, I, I totally get what you're saying. Points. That still adds up. But right, so that seems to me the one area that could actually bring a significant, you know, points uh, difference. This is true, but the the one thing I will take away here is that with those increased free throw attempts, 
he's usually either his usage rate is going to have to go up to maintain the field goal attempts or the field goal attempts are going to come down. So that, that's, that's kind of the, the mix in between where, um, it becomes more about efficiency than mm-hmm. it is and, and effectiveness of generating free throws versus taking long twos or another three, you know, what's, what's the, what's the inherent value in that? And, and CJ getting to the line, I think is a very, very good thing for Portland. Um, but I don't think inherently it's going to change a lot as far as his overall production, um, the efficiency of his production and the value of his production, it'll go up, I think, but not in a significant manner. I just, I think that's the, yeah, but I think that is the one area where he could potentially make and have enough growth that it actually contributed to more wins for the team. I don't disagree. Um, particularly if you're talking very about generous of you, I'll take CG- that. <laughs> no, I was just saying, I say in particular, <laughs> CJ's, uh, his clutch numbers last year were not good. And a lot of that had to do with his ineffectiveness shooting, but also at the free throw line. I think about a couple of the games last year where CJ struggled at the free throw line, mm-hmm. him knocking down a few more free throws over the course of the season. Oh, it's only 15 more free throws. But remember folks, we've talked about this a billion times. The average, you know, margin of victory is five in the NBA. So if you get a couple more here or there, that could shift things in your favor big time. Portland was 14 and 13 in the 27 games last year that were within five points. I mean, that's yeah. that's the difference between making or missing the playoffs. Yeah, I I see. I, I would like someone to take a look at CJ in the clutch. Has that been done recently? If not, I would like to put in a request for somebody to actually look at CJ in these clutch situations because I think there's a narrative that he sometimes, you know, hasn't been able to make his free throws or hasn't, you know, I know there were definitely a couple of times last year where he missed important shots that would have won him the game, but I wonder how many times he did make the shot and we aren't really talking about that. So I'm going to put a pin in that for a future discussion. By somebody, you mean, what, a, you mean what does it really me. say? What did the numbers anyway really reveal? What are you giggling yeah, about? No. Yeah, I said by somebody, you mean me. So I'm just making a little note here real quick oh. to, to kick to kick those numbers out for you later and then we'll You're talk welcome. about it on the show thank you google dan okay <laughs> one other yeah for dan is my personal google when i need to look up something i'll just like send it to dan and he'll google it for me it's great uh so anyway <laughs> one other portland trailblazer is we have an insta update for that is seth curry seth curry has been playing five on five today he posted on instagram that he it was the first time he played five on five in 10 months which Ten that's months. pretty surprising <laughs> yeah so i didn't know it had been little, that long yeah for anybody who didn't know why some of the folks around blazer's edge have kind of compared seth curry signing to festus azili this is why folks It's not the same kind of injury. You're not talking about knees and a big man, but you're talking about a a young man in Seth Seth Curry that he had a devastating broken bone that led to him basically not playing competitive five-on-five basketball for almost a year. Like it, you don't know how he's going to react. You don't know how he's going to be until he gets back out there in those situations where the full force of, you know, cutting, jumping, landing, all of those things are now on his leg again. Um, so so that, that's a big step for him. I didn't bring this up beforehand. So if you don't have this handy, um, you know, sorry, but um, how, what was his injury compared to Paul George's? Uh, Seth's was, was not, I don't believe Seth's was a compound fracture. 
Paul George's was, and that uh-huh. presents its own um I mean, issues. because I'd say he's bounced back <laughs> pretty well, and he wasn't, you know, he didn't play basketball for a year. Yeah, um, no, I think, I believe Seth's was a, I want to say it was a non, uh, non-displaced um, fracture. Uh, I'm actually taking... Uh, Seth Curry. Because I, I just I think it's Im, Im, if if we can discuss if you can find it uh, handy. Just because I know I'm not the only person who's like, well, you know, there's been other players who came back from a broken leg. It's you know, it's not. Yeah, no, it's of. it's not it's not nearly as bad as something like micro fracture surgery or something yeah, like that. Or a it's mystery just, thigh injury. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's it, for me. It's the fact that. He still hasn't played basketball for nearly a year or competitive mm-hmm. five on five basketball. So there's there's some trust with building that back up. And that's why I think a lot of people are fairly or not are looking at this signing like, hey, it's it's a Hail Mary signing, like a, the way the Festus Azili signing was. Like you're looking at a spot of potential weakness and you're taking a chance on a guy who you're getting a significant bargain for. Um and in the long run or the short run, it's not really going to matter all that much because if he plays really well, Portland's not going to be able to afford him unless he really wants to stay here and take a discount. And if he doesn't play well, Portland's only got him for a year, you know. So it's it's it, the the amount of risk so, here is very minimal. Yeah, so not a terrible downside, but you know, some good potential in the upside. Yeah. So one thing I have to say about his because not really knowing anything about Seth Curry except for that he's, you know, Steph's brother. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get, to get to know him because, you know, there's Blazers have had, you know, the brother of, of you know, a, a, some might say a bigger time play, a player quite often. So this is, you know, another one in the, you know, we had Harvey, the Bulls had Horace, uh, the, you know, at, at one time it looked like Brooke was the better Lopez. I'm not sure how that is working out, but you know, so now we have Seth and it'll be interesting to see how he's able to make his mark. But I have to say that even just his outfits that he work out works out in, he really sets himself apart from his brother. He has kind of a <laughs> boogie cousins look to him mm-hmm. in his workouts. Cause he wears like the full, I don't know, something about his, uh, picture i was like he's got a little boogie going on maybe it's his facial hair or something he just kind of has a little bit of a bad boy edge looking to him compared well steph to wears the whack under armor gear too like he his his shoes are terrible and that alone when you see steph in these workout videos or he's, he's never gonna inspire lines. fear <laughs> no you're just like oh that's cool you, you've got the old man airs nice that's a that's a nice touch on those <laughs> So, yeah, but no, I, like, again, and this isn't like a shot at, at Seth. I, I just, I'm not expecting a lot from him. So I think in the end, anything that the Blazers do get out of him, and I hope he does well, is a bonus. That That's how mm-hmm. I'm going into the season looking at him. Well, it looks, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about, like, the status of him to play, but as my understanding is that he was going to be available. I don't know if he was going to be available during training camp. Have you heard any word about that, if he's going to be ready by then? Uh, I believe they said that they were unsure at the time, but they were hopeful. Mm-hmm. I believe what was the the parlance that they used, and, and I haven't heard anything otherwise that has prohibited his growth. Uh, Neil O'Shea said a couple weeks ago that I think he was on track um, to be ready for the season opener. I believe is the the way they went with that. Um, so I'm 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 happy with that, and if he's playing five on five and he gets out there the next day or two and. I mean, there's no reports of any, you know, 
discomfort or issues, great. Or having uh, to, I, you know, go back out and ask for an MRI after playing one inning. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, baseball had some bad news from one of their stars, stars today. But anyway, not to not to derail the conversation, although it is August. <laughs> it's August. Derailments are allowed. CJ made waves again on <sighs> social media. Good old CJ. Bless his heart, he is keeping us uh, at least afloat in terms of things to talk about. He is so the content like that to, keeps giving. Would you like to explain I'm sorry, or I'm trying Jennifer? Because I'm yeah, so, so excited for the hashtag I'm trying Jennifer uh, <laughs> new um, inspiration. The new Rip City things. on the ass? Yeah, because I, I uh-huh. think it's fun. I think this is a fun story, actually. And yeah, some I of do them too. can be really annoying, and I think this one is actually fun. So why don't you summarize yeah. what's going on? So what's what's weird about this whole situation is that CJ's a very bright, intelligent, media savvy guy, and it it strikes me as weird that the the route that CJ has decided and his team have decided to take is to be the guy that has this take about the Warriors that super teams are weak. Uh, if you join the super teams, down. you're weak minded. Yeah, right. I mean, he he. This is not CJ is not J.R. Smith. He he's not just out, or Nick Young just out there saying something stupid for the hell of it. Like when CJ says something, it's usually well thought out, nuanced. There's it, it's not just thrown out there. So yeah. I, I believe when CJ says this stuff that oh hey my dog decided to join the podcast. Hey buddy, oh, okay, awesome. if you could if, if you could lay down, thanks. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, folks. <laughs> but. Oh. Uh, Happy to uh, no, happy to have your no, dog join us. All right, come here, come here, buddy. There you go. Go ahead, lay, lay down on the couch. <laughs> we all see um, the softer side of Dan. Yeah, he's he just wants attention right now. Say hi, <laughs> Nova. There you go, good boy. Um, but as far as CJ goes, I think he's he's really into this. I think he's trying to kind of trying to embrace this whole villain role. So and let's you know rewind what? it. I can get behind that because sometimes they, you know, a guy might test the waters with that a little bit, but then they kind of back up and then it's just all back. Exactly. So. Yeah. And he's not backpedaling and he doubled down hard. I mean, so he goes on Chinese TV, CCTV, state media, whatever it is. And the host hostess asks him about, you know, thoughts on the warriors and the word CJ used. And this is again, I think CJ is very poignant and purposeful in his choice of words. And he called what the Warriors have going and people who go to this team, i.e. Boogie and Durant, disgusting. (laughs) So you are the master of hyperbole. (laughs) What did you think of this when CJ said that? I I was was sitting there. I'm on Twitter leaning over my laptop and I went, ooh, okay, this is going to be good. I mean, you know, slap the lawn chair down behind me and, and buckle up, baby. It's going to be fun. Tell <laughs> you us know? how you really feel, CJ. I mean, I, yeah. feel, I mean, for him to use that it, about his colleagues, it really shocked me. Even, well, I, you know, I when was all saying, about it. It was it was great. Like, he didn't hold back. And the host is like, oh, I, I heard that. You know, you heard what you said. And it, like, like, CJ was trying to hide it. And he's like, I think it's disgusting. <laughs> and enunciated it all the way through. And I was like, like that. yes. Yeah. So we, we, we get that. And then the, I believe it was the score aggregated that clip. CJ responds to that and says, why are you bringing up old stuff? Which... It's kind of contrary to the whole embracing the villain thing. 
Like uh, that one was kind of weird. Yeah. Like he he kind of took a half step back. Your hypothesis he, is a little shaky on that ground. Yeah, and I was like, mm, you walk that one back, and then you get CJ's response to that, and God bless her, chalk to light nineteen eighty. Jennifer comes in with win a playoff game first, and CJ's response, I'm trying Jennifer, just immediate gold, just. Just it manna took from heaven. Off. So I had watched the CCTV clip, like probably within a few minutes minutes of it like coming out. Um, and it took a little while for obviously for CJ's response, but it was pretty quick. But I didn't see the I'm trying Jennifer until a little storm had started. Like it it hadn't been the it wasn't the wildfire on Twitter yet, but I hadn't checked. Twitter again in like 20 minutes and I check my phone and I've got like six or seven DMs. Hey, you need to make this a t-shirt. And I'm like, what do you mean I need to make this a t-shirt? And I look at it, I'm like, oh my God. First of all, why are you all coming to me with to have t-shirts made? I, I'm not Captain Fashion. Stop doing that. Second of all, Grant Goldberg and I came up with a really cool design. So <laughs> I'm stoked about that. So thank you for this whole thing, CJ. Um, but just, it, it took I, off like wildfire, right? Right, it did, and it was, and and the thing was, is it like conti- it continues to be just kind of a nice, funny story, you know? Like, oh, it's fantastic! It, like, there's no milkshake duck. Hurt. No one's yeah. so at this point like mad at Jennifer because Jennifer just said what we were all thinking, <laughs> you know. And I think CJ said what everybody who's not the Warriors is feeling. Like, yeah. you could just you could hear the pain in CJ's voice, like. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying, Jennifer. It's not like I'm not trying. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait until opening night when the I'm trying Jennifer chant starts. Yeah. Like, the Portland fans have done a really good job of, like, getting the clap synchronized just right for some pretty strange and awkward chants. I, I really want to see how they get I'm trying Jennifer to work. Oh, that's easy. I'm trying Jennifer. I'm trying Jennifer. It's easy. Yeah, see, it, it doesn't it doesn't quite roll off quite right. So that's yeah, what no, I'm, it's I'm fine. wondering. It'll be but, fine. Once you hear it, once you okay. hear 19,000 people chanting it, you'll get it. Okay. <laughs> you'll get behind it. But, but yeah, you know, I mean, it just, it's, in terms it's of like marketing everything. slogans that they've come up with in the last, you know, what, 10 years when it was like, rise up and rise with us and please, dear God, don't leave us, whatever all their slogans were. I think we're trying really Rip City is going yeah. to be something that, that, like, you will see that this year. Do not be surprised that the Blazers marketing has or the um, Amara using the social accounts. Like it's going to get utilized. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think the the one thing I would say, the one thing I would caution here is that like everything else in the social media era, it's going to get beat to death. Travis Demer said it perfectly. Be judicious with your use of I'm trying Jennifer. Do not use every single example of I'm trying Jennifer. Literally just for the sake of all the Jennifers out there. <laughs> just, just let them be. Like let it, let it marinate. Just pick and choose your moments of when you use. I'm trying Jennifer. Not, not you specifically, Tara. The, the collective you. Yeah, yeah. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, we can all follow those instructions. <laughs> By the way, that's my slogan for the year: "From your mouth to God's ears." <laughs> because somebody will say something like nice and positive, and I'll just be like, "Yes, please, God, make that happen." <laughs> that's. That, I guess that's a little bit of a graduation from that's 
way of what happens when a python swallows a porcupine. Yeah, well, I can I use that too. Good work, well, you Dan. Get, you'll, you only get one. You only have so one impressed. slogan. I, well, no. If I want to, I can have two. Last week cheating. you told me I could only pick one number, and I picked two because that's what I wanted Just to do. So Cheating, left, right, and center. So speaking of cheating and not cheating, we're actually speaking of not cheating. I'm going to go to our our main topic, which was seemed like a good off-season topic to try to untangle. And that is that there are going to be some new things happening in terms of sports betting, whether or not they happen mm-hmm. right away or if they happen over they'll definitely be happening happening over the course of the next couple of years. The Supreme Court recently made a ruling that has changed the world of sports betting. And I wanted to just kind of talk about what that might mean for the NBA, for people who are fans of the NBA, and just kind of start to scratch the surface, really, of what's going on in the sports betting world. Is that even what you call it? The sports betting world? Sports gambling? What do you even call it? Uh, you, you can call it whatever you want to call it. They're, they're, you okay. can, your, your sports book, your gambling, yeah. betting... Well, I'm, I'm sure you're not shocked to find out that I am not a big gambler. No. And, uh, <laughs> I know. Shocking, isn't it? Um, so if you, I would like to just kind of start off by laying the foundation of having you explain, you know, how, what is, what are we talking about when we're talking about people betting on basketball? So just gambling in general, you you have certain things that you can bet on and in sports, You've got your money lines. You've got your over-unders. You've got your winners. So, um, wait, a money line? I know what an over-under is, mm-hmm. right? And I know, like, who won the game. What do you mean by money line? So, typically when somebody's referring to the money line, they're talking about the, the point spread. Okay. So, uh, when you see, like, uh, I believe the average average NBA team at home, it's either a th- it's either a three or a five point spread. I can't remember what the average line is now. Um, I have to take a look as it, as it adjusts. But if you're an average NBA, 500 NBA team at home, you are going to be favored by three points. If you're in the playing another against another average team, that's what okay. home court is worth. So if you have a team that at home is favored by seven that means they have to win by at least seven points. And then you factor in if they're at home that, that they're worth three points. So you're assuming that they're a four point, um, four point winner, a four point winner. That, and then you add the three for, for the exactly home. that's, then that's how they come up with these lines. So, okay. So everything has like much like analytics, everything has its own value within a team, home road, back to back. And, and this is something people probably heard me allude to in the past officiating. Like, there's a reason why the NBA announces day of games what officials are working what games. Because if that information is presented ahead of time, that can significantly impact um, gambling. Now, that may change going forward now, though. So uh, this will be the first year where it's, you know, legal around the country. So if I wanted to get started, what... So, like, before the, the rule changes... What are my options as somebody here in Oregon? I feel like I know about basketball. I want to bet on basketball. Um, what are my options for betting on a team or betting on basketball right now? Well, the the legal option is to go to Las Vegas, Nevada, and place your bets at a sports book. 
Do you have to physically you, go there? Yes, you you need to go to um, the sports book to place your bet. Um, what, so is, is sports book just a fancy word for like place where you go to place a bet? A, a sports book is a place to go or place that you go to to place a gambling wager that will also be responsible for paying out your winnings. Okay. That's that's the official sports book parlance there. Um, and and with the Supreme Court ruling, what what why this is so huge is because it opens it up to every state in the country. Um, now, there are methods that technically aren't legal where you could gamble off-site or offshore, uh, which is why you see companies like Bavda who are not uh, or are in nations that are um, not beholden to U.S. law. And that's where people, you know, and that's why you end up seeing those, those lines usually quoted or coming from those, uh, those sports books. Um, mm. But that's, that's why it's, it's a big rush right now. And that's why it's so big of a deal. And my employer at NBC, they're, they're working on something. ESPN has announced they're working on something. In fact, ESPN, I think has one rolling out already on like their, their ESPN plus for, so uh, how, but how is all of this, how is all of this different from like playing fantasy sports? Isn't that a type of gambling? <coughs> Absolutely. Um, and so why is fantasy so easy to participate in? Well, legal? it was, well, it was until it wasn't. Remember we had that, that big fight over the last couple of years and you saw the places like FanDuel and, and everybody else kind of fold up there for a while. Remember you couldn't go five minutes without seeing one of those stupid ads on TV. And <laughs> then everybody kind of held up because were they purview to gaming regulations and with that, a lot of people froze up and they weren't sure which way things were going to go. Um, with that in mind, it, it was it was messy. So now that these this ruling or these rulings have come down, um, you're starting to see those commercials up again. Uh, you're starting to see uh, more visibility in that area. And the difference between laying laying money on fantasy versus laying money on like in a, in a casino or a sports book. It purely for me is about the way it's packaged and marketed. Like playing fantasy, like daily fantasy, where there's actually money on the line, it's no different than, than gambling. You, mm-hmm. You're paying a set amount. You're putting in more variables into the, into the equation mm-hmm. with with uh, fantasy than you uh-huh. are in you know the 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 variables that you have in play. Um, between two just teams. whether or not somebody wins a game, yeah, and so, by how much exactly. Um, so I mean, it, it really, I, I think it to be in my mind, it's harder to be a very, very good fantasy player than it is to be a very good just picking winners and losers. So, so it, how it, did it's, the fan- it's a different, different way to go. So how did the fantasy thing become so widespread? Is it just because nobody quite knew what laws they were supposed to apply to it, so they just kept doing it, and then they pulled it back a little bit once they realized, like, oh, we actually might be under regulation? Yeah, basically that's like what it comes to. Like somebody invented an app, the... made it super easy, people just started, money just started coming in, and... Much like everything else in venture capital, <laughs> you, you, you don't really know what you have until you have it. Um, and then, you know what comes from all of that is, you know, unchecked at first and then they roll it back and go, okay, this is cool and all, but we need to, we need to better understand this before we, we allow 
because uh, everybody's got to get their fingers in the pie is basically what it comes down to. Um, yeah. So do including, we have any including idea the NBA. Right. Well, and do we have any idea yet what that is going to look like? The NBA wants one percent. Right. That's of the, all that's they, the bets. Yes. Which to if, which which will be considered a part of the basketball related income. Yes. Right? And, so and then it goes for for everybody who's wondering, like, oh, that doesn't sound like that much money. It's a substantial amount of money, and it will significantly impact, especially in the coming years, significantly impact the the uh, salary cap level. I get. The, there there will be a ton of changes that are coming with that that will um, change change how we view the the salary cap and, and how it's structured. So what are what are the what are the more problematic things that you've heard of about like I mean just how are they going to figure this out I mean I know that like in terms of like a lot of states already had laws you know in the pipeline to be passed quickly once the Supreme Court decision was made so the legal aspects are mostly already in the works but Mm -hmm. what are the what are the logistics people are going to have to figure out and like I've heard you know sweeping massive you know, it's going to have such a huge impact, not just because of the money, but because of all these like trickle down effects that we don't even like, you know, all these unintended consequences we don't even know are going to happen now. You know, what's yeah. it going to mean to the players when that much more money is being bet on the outcome of their games? And and also I've heard, you know, of some like micro betting things like, you know, yeah, betting so within, to talk yeah, exactly. a little bit about what that is. So let's let's start at the top first. Um Unless things change nationally for gambling to work, to actually have to place these bets um, as they are, um, there has to be an actual brick and mortar location. So that's why I think you're, you're seeing a company like Buffalo Wild Wings, who already has brick and mortar locations everywhere, m- making this visible push to be a part of gambling. Um, that it could, it could be that, or it could be the greatest marketing ploy since IHOP changed to IHOB, you know, it can be <laughs> as simple as that, but people are talking about it because if you think about it, they have all the necessary, um, things in place. They have the brick and mortar locations. They have the, they, they already have the government contacts cause they have to get their, their liquor licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so that they already have the, you know, the oversight necessary within their company to go through these government type of contracts or government regulations on top of everything else that the food and restaurant industry requires. Um, and then the, this is so corny, but it, I, something I was talking to a few people about the other night, when you go to Buffalo wild wings at every single table, you have those stupid tablets. Mm-hmm. Where you play the? I've the, never been to Buffalo the games. Wings, so I don't. Know. Okay, so they've got these little tablets on the table that you you play trivia games with. Well, mm-hmm. now you're playing gambling games with them. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's that's that's how simple the transition is going to be. Um, if it's something have, that they want to do, have they talked about what the the licensing might look like? Not here in Oregon. Um, I, I don't know. How that's going to look state by state by state. Some states may make it simple. Some states may make it harder. I think a really uh, a good explain or a good comparison to this is the legalization of marijuana around the country. Even though it's legal in various states, what to what levels is it legal, and how easy is it to be to be somebody who can who can grow it versus uh, distribute it? 
you, you, so I think those are the same kind of comparisons you could use because it's going to be start in a few states. I think it's going to be by the end of the year, I think that the estimations are going to be about 15 to 17 states mm-hmm. would have something, a framework in place. What that framework entails, I, I couldn't tell you right now because it's just so much up in the air. But how that trickles down, it's like something like you're talking about with microtransactions. Will every state allow those microtransactions? And for those who wonder what what these microtransactions are, think of like uh, being at a game and you have your cell phone and you it's the end of the first quarter and you want to bet on uh, the over-under of both teams' combined points being over 75 or 80 or whatever, whatever the being over a hundred. So 50, 51, 51 for one team, 50 for another, you know, is a simple math, um, at halftime. That's your microtransaction. That's your live betting microtransaction, right? Wait, then do and you there. come in with that or does somebody flash you and say, Hey, here's the, here's what we think is going to happen. Do you want to bet on this? Oh, it would be right there. And you're like, it'll, it was gamble.net, whatever the hell, yeah, yeah. whatever the hell it is. You get your push notification on your phone. Here's your updated bet lines. Or if you're in, the, let's say they integrate it with the teams, you, the, the trailblazers own app will have a gambling section. You push that button and you have your live lines throughout the game. Now, no, you're not only watching the game, you're watching something you've gambled on and you're spending more money within, within the infrastructure of the NBA. Like this is win, win, win for the league. Money wise, money it wise, is. yes. <laughs> but there, let's there, talk about there, some there are a lot of, of intrinsic other... complications that come with that. But I mean, that's that's a whole other yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, I, but I want to bring it up as oh, yeah. as something that you know. There's gonna. I think I I mentioned it briefly briefly before. There's gonna be consequences. Oh yeah, absolutely. We don't know about, and we don't know who's going to be most effective. So we don't know what the consequences are. We don't know what the results of those consequences are going to mm-hmm. be. And we don't know who's going to be affected by it. And is there anybody who's paying attention to that? Or is everybody just out there making apps to make this possible? And we'll deal with that later. Oh, I think it's the wild West. Like, like everything else. It's, it's the wild West. How and come we haven't because... learned that that's not a good model? No, it, it, that's <laughs> just, that's just how it goes. I mean, y- y- you, take something and you push it as far as you can and it goes too mm-hmm. far and they reel it in. I mean, that, yeah. that's not even just the U S that's just, you know, human yeah. nature. Like you just go through right. historically and that's just how it's been. Um, it, there won't, it, I mean, it, it's not like this is going to go off without a hitch and nobody's going to get addicted to gambling or, um, the impact it's going to have on a region isn't going to be all positive. I mean, there, there are a lot of things to consider, um, with this whole idea, but, it's one of those things that's going to happen. Um, the NBA is very much leading the charge. The other sports leagues will follow suit. And with that in mind, you're talking about billions of dollars at play. And so everybody is going to push as hard as they can to be there first with the best options. So you, you've got all the tech bros up and down the West Coast trying to come up and, and get a hold of every single app and link and uh, being a part of this, that, or the other 24 seven right now. I, I, I've right. talked to some I guys. I would have been that, that to tech companies. To, yeah. Um, but so you said that the, the NBA is kind of on the forefront of this. Absolutely. So are you, are you saying that, is it because they have Adam Silver leading this charge? Like yes. where are the other? Okay. 
it, it, it's, it's very much so Adam Silver. Adam Silver, even before he took over as the commissioner of the NBA, this was something that was kind of there. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, this is not something new for him. Um, so it's, it's definitely nice to see that he's, for, if you're talking about who's going to lead the way, I think he's the best option of all the commissioners, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't go with any like particular views of any other commissioners. I just think he's the most ingrained and well-informed at this point in time and, and willing to take the risks necessary to push it forward. And have there been any, um, some statements or like, what's the, like the MBPA, the players association, um, what's their involvement in this? I have heard crickets from Michelle Robertson and her, uh, group. Um, I would assume at this point in time that they are all for it because that's BRI, right? It's basketball related income. It's more money in their pockets. Like, and it's, it, it's not taking anything away from them. Um, Players are already not allowed to gamble um, as mm-hmm. part of the collecting bargaining agreement. Um, I don't, and for anybody, here's something that I, I hear, the, the integrity of the game. Folks, gambling's already going on pretty significantly. Um, if you want to talk about Tim Donaghy in those situations, yeah, I, but, I get it. But this I, is going to be so much more money. Yeah, and guess what happens with that much more money? A lot more scrutiny. When you have this many, this much more money being put in, this many more eyes trying to play or wanting to play, there's going to be a lot more enforcement. That that's just the nature of the beast because everybody's going to be trying, or anybody who's doing it is going to be trying to take advantage of it. Well, this is this is Las Vegas and this is the gambling industry. What's what's the most common saying in the gambling industry? The house always no wins. No idea. Why would you think I would know that? The house <laughs> always wins. Okay. And, and there, there's a reason why. Because they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to be at the forefront of technology and security and algorithms to understand what they can do to put the odds in their favor. And so... I, 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 wor- I just worry that it's going to be the loudest voices that get everything that they want and it would be moving so fast How so? that I don't, um, well just like the, whoever had this idea in the first place, they're going to get what they want because they're the loudest and they were fir- the first, whether or not their idea or their way of making it happen is the best way. It's just going to be the first way. And it's going to be the people who are there, whose names we all know who are the loudest that are going to get their way. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's just, I don't, they're not going to have time to carefully develop this. Oh, the, <laughs> it's like going to happen. It will be careful, and but it's never loud and best preserved, best placed right now is going to benefit from it. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. It's not even close, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to do as, as best they can with that initial rollout. And again, it mm-hmm. won't be without. Without casualties, I don't like really don't know if I like the use of that word, but uh, it it won't be it's without be it's it's, it's without problems. problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I hope there's very little, but so I just I just don't expect there to be a that smooth of a rollout. Yeah, how how soon do you think that you know I can go down to a Buffalo Wild Wings and make a bet and have any idea if I know what I'm doing? <laughs> um, here in Oregon. I would assume in the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's kind of where I'm I'm sitting with this right now. Um, I I would think that the NBA is trying to be at the forefront of controlling this as much as possible, and they've already made. Is it? I believe it's the MGM. Mm-hmm. Is the official sponsor sponsor their partner? Yeah. What do you, what so, does that mean? Anything that's going out gambling wise is backed by the NBA. It's going to have the MGM stamp on it. That's how I read it right now. So, um, so like if they make an app, if they, yeah, I mean, what do you again, mean by anything that goes out gambling wise? What so could that mean? That it, it could mean anything. It could be, um, a, a daily email newsletter that comes out with the morning lines. They're going to, it's going to have the MGM stamp on it. Now, mm-hmm. if it contractually, I, I don't, I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but if they, if they go into a league wide app, um, that features the ability to gamble in states that allow it. I'm not entirely sure what the the legal ramifications are for cross line gambling. Like, what does the app allow you to do, um, depending on your state? You know, because it's going to be location enabled. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how all this stuff works. Um, so it, it, there's there's all like I said, there's a ton of nuance that goes into this stuff, and it's it's just now getting started. Like this snowball is just starting to roll down the hill and it's going to, it's going to do some tents on the way down. But personally, like I'm the, the, the old tale, the, 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 uh, degenerate gambler. I, I'm not that guy, but I do enjoy placing a wager from time to time. Like I, I think ultimately if you want to do it in this, even in today's world without the ruling from the Supreme court, it wasn't difficult. But if you put this stuff out in the open, the more money and the more eyes you put on it out in the open, the whole idea of the sanctity of the game, I think, becomes easier to predict and protect. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, how does media, you know, what, like if they, if you learn something in a pregame scrum, you know, what do you, are I mean, you, are you responsible? Are to you going to change it? the game if, uh, or, or yeah, are you going to change things if, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> say, no those say what you were going to say, yeah, no, those things are, are incredibly important because the, it, it becomes the, the NBA has to set these standards for what teams are required to give out information wise, whether a, a player is injured or something along those lines. You, if you withhold that information, um, and somebody else within has that information, then you're in a position where um, you're, you're taking advantage of the system. Now, I, I know that the Trailblazers, I, I believe from what, what Casey said, that, that the employees are, are required to sign off on uh, no gambling if you're a Trailblazers employee or under contract with them, which I assume is probably a league-wide deal. Um, but... Who's to say that stops somebody from feeding information that's insider knowledge to somebody else? Like, those are the kind of things that you do have to worry about um, and how teams protect data because everybody's always trying to get an edge, both teams and gamblers. So as that progresses, you know, which what side of the line does the average fan fall on? You know, how much information are they, are they, or should they be privy to? And I think that's something the NBA is going to have to take a look at. How how do you, do you think this is going to enhance your viewing pleasure for the NBA? Well, for you, well, personally, for me personally, it will, will. for me personally, I I, I do enjoy the gambling aspect of it. Um, 
from time to time. And on top of that, I, I think it's going to give a broader uh, knowledge base and a deeper knowledge base to the average fan. Because if you've got money on the line, don't you want to know more and more and more about a particular thing? Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, even if it's only a buck or two, mm-hmm. the, I think the the common desire there is that, okay, I want to know more about this. So how can I learn more about this? And the NBA is going to want to give that data away on the other side of that. How valuable does the stuff that like second spectrum does, like how valuable is that going forward? You know, so, and how much do these, these teams value and protect that data? So it's, it's, I think it's going to be overall good for, for the, for the league, for the teams uh, and for the fan. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see what all comes of it. So thank you for indulging me for walking me through some of the basics. I will have more questions later as things. When happen, it becomes legal here, we, I will take you down to place your bet. Woohoo! We 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 will, we will go do it. We'll, we'll, we'll record it live. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I should use this to a segue and just make a big wah wah wah. Shall I bet on Blazer 5 gaming next year? Yeah, that sucks. Number one oh, seed. I hate this game, Dan. Goes out, this has goes turned out. me into just a bitter and sad person, this in esports it, business. In a terrible fashion, too. Um, for anybody who plays the game or knows the game, it uh, one wild walnut got a pass down the middle and uh, got put in, in animation in the game. That's, that's part of what dictates what a player does once you put the inputs in on the sticks and the controllers. And he got what is uh, a bug in the game and it, in a tie game, 73 apiece. And from really there on, Portland kind of lost it. And this was after, obviously, one wild walnut, Dwayne Downey, uh, won the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. They were the number one seed going in. Number one up, seed. Upset. Lost to the number eight. By the lowest seeded team, the Knicks. So, yeah. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can handle this if this is what's going to happen. Like, they were so excellent all season. They were they were just so good. They were just blowing the doors off of everybody, and they were just clicking on all cylinders. And then the, they lost first round first round loss. I don't need another team in my life that's going to experience. It's going to give you first, first round, round losses. losses. I yeah. don't. I really don't. No, you're not you're not, not not in favor of those, huh? No, no. <sighs> like you know, I just. For some reason, with the Blazers, it's okay. But for some reason, with Blazer Five Gaming, I just had these high high expectations that were crushed. I told you, I told you not to let them get too high. Yeah, I know you were right. <laughs> well, but they they learned a lot. They still, you know, they have the MVP and they have the Defensive Player of the Year. They can't they literally can't go take those away right like there's no, no. special rule in esports where they can not, go take it away and like not unless reggie, the program, they, they reggie right? bush okay. this thing <laughs> so okay good well they, they can't take that away from us and you know what else they can't take back nobody's going to be able to get back this 50 minutes we've just spent talking about all this stuff but you know nope. what if they stuck with us this long you're our people it happens from time to time <laughs> people do stick around through the end of the podcast it's incredible I Shout was, out to all you people. 
camping all weekend with a whole bunch of mountain bikers, and there was not a big crossover between Lake uh, Blazer fan and mountain bikers. You almost said I Laker was, fans. Good God, what's I know, wrong with I you? Don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's late. But there was not a big crossover amongst uh, mountain bikers and, and Blazer fans at this event that I was at this weekend. But the Blazer fans that I did talk to, they're they're a little worried. There's there's they're not feeling super hopeful about this season. So I did my usual thing where I'm like, I can't I can't replace my optimism on you, but I can tell you what I'm looking forward to. So we've touched on a few things. During this episode, we talked about Anthony. We talked about, you know, this being, you know, maybe some things, you know, maybe Seth will come out and do something. You know, there's some mm-hmm. things to look forward to in the future. We're doing our best. I don't know. Help me out here. <laughs> Get me out of this you're, you're, going, you're going to me for optimism? Nah. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> no, I meant for just like wrapping up this episode of the oh, podcast. Fine. I'm not going to you for optimism. All right. <laughs> that, well, that, that's that's smart. And, and Although well you are actually much more optimism than uh, you let on. You're, more, you're much more optimistic than you let on. Shh. Don't tell anybody. You know, the piece that you wrote about, about Zach Collins, if people haven't read it, they should go and read it because it provides what I think what we've had time to do on the podcast is to give a little bit of context to your Zach Collins takes which mm-hmm. sometimes I think on Twitter, people think you're like attacking Zach. And in the article that you wrote, you talked a little bit more about it in within the like, you know, the expectations and being reasonable and not, you know, not throwing him out there and, uh, or, you know, for people to be disappointed in something that he can't do. And you came up with some really reasonable things for him to improve on. So. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fun article, right? And shout out to everybody who has commented or reached out to me about that article because the reaction that I got from that was not at all what I expected. So kudos to everybody out there. I appreciate that. Did you uh, think? What did you think was gonna people were gonna say? Oh, I was waiting for the for the torches and pitchforks. Like I was just because they thought that you were gonna be mean to oh to, yeah to him. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the reaction that I've got for most of a year. So I was mm-hmm. kind of prepared prepared for that. Uh, but with that in mind. Cool stuff. Again, that's that's kind of the theme of what I'll be writing about heading into the season every weekend. And it's about expectations and growth and what to look forward to the season. And I think how things should be looked at going into the season. Like, what are the acceptable levels and bars and barometers for everything? Um, like CJ and endgame situations, for example? Exa- yeah, maybe that's a way that I, I go look at it. Just the Blazers and endgame situations. Maybe that's something I'll do over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, those those five-point or less games, you know, what what do those swing games mean and how do the Blazers need to attack those and, and how do they need to do against the Eastern Conference? Those are all things I think that I'm going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. So, be fun. Um, it's, it's something to keep my sanity between now and the and camp ramping up. So, um, but I think that's, that's a good place to get out on. So, Tara, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me at on Twitter at TCBBigs. You can also find my other podcast in the Blazers Edge podcast feed, Women's Hoops and Talks. comes out every other Thursday, and you can follow Hoops and Talks at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. And as soon as we post an episode, we will post it on Twitter. So you can either get it in the feed or you can follow us on Twitter and get it as soon as it comes out. All right. Thank you, Tara. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, as well as Tuesdays and Thursday nights on NBC Sports Northwest with Joe Simons and Shane Brennan on Blazers Outsiders. Uh, we just wrapped up the Rip City Cornhole Tournament we were talking about earlier. That was the kind of the cool thing that we had going. Uh, hopefully, we have some more cool stuff uh, coming down the road uh, that I can share in the coming weeks. Uh, but until then, folks, um, like, rate, subscribe. 
review, do all that stuff. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else for your podcast needs. Uh, until next time, folks. Take care.